I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone and welcome along to this episode of La Liga Lowdown, also rebroadcast on Sirius XMFC 157. I'm Ewan McTeer and I welcome you in to this recap of Match Day 37, the match day when Real Madrid became champions. Congratulations to everyone associated with Real Madrid, you are the champions. And this is what it sounded like when Sergio Ramos lifted the trophy at Valdebebas. Sadly, there were no fans in Valdebebas to see Real Madrid win that trophy. The last time Real Madrid actually clinched a league title in front of their own fans was all the way back in 2007, weirdly enough. But we're all about the fans on this podcast, and that's why we ask for some Real Madrid supporters who have contributed to this podcast over the course of the season to share their snap full-time thoughts with us. So here's a few Real Madrid fans coming up to share their joy. First up, it's Emily Wilson. If you told me that Real Madrid's La Liga was going to be halted for three months and they'd eventually come back and fight for the title and then win it, I never would have believed you. But what a great way to end a very odd season. There was 11 games left after the break and they claimed it after 10. It was certainly a group effort. I haven't seen the team play that cohesively in a while. And it was really just great to see them end off on a high note. Every player gave it their all. I mean, they had 21 different scorers and lots of things just fell into place. That defensive record too, it really, really helps them. And it was just quite a ride. And we also hear from Hassan Karim, who is full of praise for Zizou. 11 trophies since 2016. He's averaging a trophy every 19 games. Zindin Zidane is a huge reason as to why Real Madrid have lifted this, if not the biggest reason. There were the stars, Ramos, Casemiro, Benzema, all those guys. But Zidane coming back in despite the shaky start, has solidified this team, has really set them up to be dominant for some time to come. And I can't see anyone really changing that, given the state of Barcelona. And next up, here's Christopher McCormick. True, most of the second half, I was thinking about those kind of last 11 games that Zidane took over last season. And just kind of the journey that's gotten just how miserable those games were and just the journey we've taken to get to again another set of 11 games in isolation and just the complete and utter 
um, turnaround that Madrid have made in those 12 months to make that turnaround. Uh, another thing that I'm thinking about is also kind of as a Castilla fan follower, I'm thinking about Miguel Gutierrez and Javi Hernandez hoping getting a debut with Real Madrid uh, in the next game against Leganas. That'd be a nice touch, a nice way to end the, tight, end the season. Um, aside from that, just in, <laughs> enjoying the moment. Uh, they haven't come around too often so for Madrid. So, uh, yeah, Hala Madrid. So, on Thursday, we saw Real Madrid defeat Villarreal 2-1 after Karim Benzema scored in the first half. He also netted in the second half after a fairly awkward penalty routine where Sergio Ramos tried to tap it to him but where Benzema had encroached, meaning that the spot kick had to be retaken. So Benzema put the ball down himself and fired in for a 2-0 lead. That was cut back to 2-1 by Vicente Bora for a brief scare. But meanwhile, Barcelona couldn't even do what they needed to do as they lost 2-1 at home to Osasuna. Their former youth team player Jose Arnaiz scored the opener before a Leo Messi free kick levelled things up. But then a late Roberto Torres goal on a breakaway meant that Osasuna actually won the match. That means Real Madrid have a 7-point lead over Barcelona right now. They've absolutely crushed it. Let's discuss everything that happened at the top of the table now with Roman de Arquer, our resident Barcelona fan who I guess really had to suffer through that Thursday night of action. Roman, I hope you're feeling okay. Real Madrid are now the champions and they're worthy champions, aren't they? Indeed, I mean, there's no team that has been better than Real Madrid this season in La Liga. I mean, that's a fact. So, of course, they deserve to be uh, crowned as champions. And also, I've been really impressed by the form um, after the break. I mean, winning 10 out of 10 is just a really incredible stat. I honestly said it a few times. I thought they would drop points because before they were quite quite inconsistent. That's why they ended uh, behind Barcelona at the end of the break. A Barcelona which wasn't playing uh, great either. But they came back and Zidane made the most of all the deep squad Real Madrid has and with those rotations and with Benzema, Casemiro, etc. playing in such good, uh, such good level. I think uh, Madrid clearly deserved to win this title. How disappointing is it from a Barcelona point of view that they couldn't even complete their part of the bargain against an Osasuna team with basically nothing to play for and down to 10 men for the final stages? Well, it's very disappointing. Um, I mean, Barcelona should have been fighting for this league right until the end. You know, they have the players, they have the quality to do so, and there are really no excuses. I mean, it's true that there was a managerial change halfway through, but that was supposed to improve things, not make them worse, you know. And with Valverde, the team was first, and now with Setienne, he they isn't. Of course, I don't think it comes really down to the manager. There's so many more problems in that um, in that team, in that club, you know. It goes way up high, and I think in the squad itself there's a lot of things we have to look into but um, still you know the team should have fought right until the end they should have put much more pressure on Madrid in the standings and not let them you know cruise through into this title and in the end as Messi said um, to the press after the game uh, the result against Osasuna just sums up what Barcelona has been this season and also Messi said that he'd already mentioned that Barcelona wasn't prepared to win the Champions League and today he said they weren't even prepared to win the league so Messi isn't happy we'll see what happens with Setien but overall a lot of disappointment here in Barcelona yeah some really explosive quotes from Messi after the game he really isn't happy you could even see that when he scored the free kick he almost seemed to clench his fist in anger 
rather than joy. I'm going to try to find some sort of silver lining for you now, Roman, and for the Barcelona fan base. Maybe seeing the way Real Madrid messed up that penalty routine, one that Barca executed with Messi and Luis Suarez a few years back, maybe that's some sort of consolation, or am I really grasping at straws now? No, not at all. I mean, apart from maybe a smile or a few laughs from some Barca fans who were maybe watching uh, the Madrid game while that was happening, I doubt it's a consolation for anyone. I mean, in the end, Madrid won the title and that's what really annoys Barcelona fans and a little mistake or a little uh, blunder in a game won't change that. Yeah, I've got to agree. Ramos and Benzema won't be losing any sleep over that. I mean, mostly because they'll be staying up all night partying. For Benzema, it's now 21 goals for the La Liga season for him. He's just two behind Messi in the Pichichi race. Could he overtake him in the final round? It's definitely a possibility. I mean, we've seen Benzema's performances and he's been fantastic all year round. Now he's scoring goal after goal and he's in great form. So uh, there's no doubt that uh, Madrid in the next game, in the last match day of the season, are going to play for Benzema to try and make sure he gets that Pichichi. But at the same time, they're playing against Leganes, a side who really need the win because they can still save themselves from relegation. But that could play in favor of Madrid because uh, sometimes the desperation and the fact that they will need goals might uh, open up more spaces so there's definitely a chance for Benzema but at the same time Barcelona um, are going to play for Messi although we've seen that Barcelona offensively are creating much less danger than Real Madrid so Benzema definitely has a chance unless Messi finds some magic in this uh, last game of the season. In terms of other Real Madrid players who have been key to this title Casemiro for me is clearly one and he was a player who won the ball back for Benzema's opener against Villarreal, is he maybe the MVP, the under the radar MVP of the entire La Liga season? For me, the MVP has to go to Benzema. I mean, as I said before, he's been fantastic. So I think uh, Madrid has really uh, moved in attack thanks uh, to him, basically. He's been that uh, central point that has connected all the dots, we could say. So I'd give the MVP to Benzema. But um, definitely Casemiro is probably second on my list uh, for the best Real Madrid player of the season. He's been so consistent overall. He's been so important, but not just defensively, but also offensively. You know, He's been capable of adapting to Zidane's system. And, and providing what the team needs at every stage of the game and so that, for that reason I think he deserves to be uh, the other MVP after Benzema but then of course there have been other really good players such as Sergio Ramos particularly this end of, of the season also we've seen that Kroos has been fantastic during most of the season except of course when he's been injured and uh, I th- I'd like to point out Fede Valverde who I think has been one of the revelations this season and he's had amazing performances especially right before the break where he was doing an incredible job for the team okay well thank you Roman for taking the time to reflect on the title race humble and speaking a lot of truth there you briefly mentioned Leganes and the relegation battle and we're going to look into that in a lot more detail in part two that's coming up just after this short break I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome back to this episode of La Liga Lowdown. We've just discussed the title race, which is now over as Real Madrid have crowned themselves champions. But we've got so much more to discuss from the penultimate match day, where nine of the matches took place at the same time. Only Ibar's 3-1 win over Real Badly took place earlier than the 9pm time slot because there wasn't really anything at all riding on that one. But the rest of the fixtures were vital and there was a lot of tension, as shown by the fact that we had nine red cards across those nine games and two of those red cards came in Mallorca where Real Mallorca lost the plot a little bit late on as they gave up a 1-0 lead to end up losing 2-1 to Granada with only nine men left. With that defeat, the Islanders' hopes of survival are mathematically over. They put up such a good fight on a tiny budget and with an institutional structure that just wasn't really ready for top flight football given that They've been in Segunda B just a couple of years ago, but they've done themselves proud and they'll be a strong contender along with Espanyol when they go down to Segunda next season. Alaves fans, meanwhile, experienced the opposite emotion as their team mathematically secured their spot in the top division for next season. They did so with a 2-1 win away at Real Betis. As Oliver Burke said on Instagram after the game, well done, lads. So, going into the final round of the season, the relegation battle now comes down to Celta Vigo and Leganes. Celta are just outside the relegation zone on 36 points, Leganes are just inside on 35. We're going to discuss both these teams in detail now and let's start with Celta Vigo who lost a crazy back and forth match 3-2 at home to Levante. Two first half Enes Bardi goals where Levante came either side of a disallowed Borja Mayoral goal to make it 2-0 to the visitors. Then goals from Santimina and of course Iago Aspas meant it was already level by half-time, but Borja Mayoral finally did get on the score sheet at the start of the second half to make it 3-2 to Levante. But then Levante went down to 10 men when Jorge Miramon was shown a straight red. Nolito then thought he'd equalised late on for Celta, but that was ruled out for offside and he was then sent off too for protesting. Absolute madness, difficult to keep track of, especially with eight other matches at the same time. Let's try and make some sense of it all now with Matt Clark. Matt, just how crazy was this game that had absolutely everything? What a game. This had everything you could possibly want in a game. 
unless you're a Celta fan. Goals, controversy, drama, VAR, a chaotic climax. It had it all, as you rightly said. Enis Bardi was the star of the show. In his 100th game for the club, he becomes the highest scoring foreign player for Levante in the top flight. Yeah, Enis Bardi seemed up for this, but it's kind of weird because Levante were the ones with nothing to play for. You might have expected Celta's necessity would have pushed them through to victory. Yeah, credit has to go to Paco Lopez for keeping them fired up and playing to the best of their ability, which really respects the integrity of the league. After they lost to Mallorca and then Athletic Club, they could have been excused with the usual cliches that they're on the beach already, objective achieved. But Levante are not like that. They're a team with so much talent and fight, and they always want to put that on display. I agree, Celta needed it far more, but how often do we see that? Teams get nervous and seem restricted in the way they play. The other team can then express itself and play with much more freedom. To be fair to Delta, they did snap out of it and get going by the drinks break, but of course they were 2-0 down by then. Once again we saw Iago Aspas doing all he could to save Celta, but Aspas alone isn't enough, is it? Iago Aspas, surely the most depended on player in the league. He got them out of trouble last season and it seemed like they were clear a few matches ago, but once again they're turning to him. To be fair, Santi Mina was also good in this game, with the goal to pull one back and the incisive assist for Aspas' equaliser. But in general, the other players need to provide more, absolutely. And you know that if there is any one player you would back to get them over the line, it is of course going to have to be Argo Aspas, again. But it's not as if those other Celta players are bad players, is it? They've got the 11th highest budget in La Liga this season. So how much of the failures come down to Oscar Garcia, or then maybe is it the fact that they have changed coach so much? Yeah, when you look at that Celta squad, they should be nowhere near the bottom. Denis Suarez, Rafinha, Fran Beltran, Santi Mina, these are not names you associate with the team fighting relegation. But the reality is that's the position in which they find themselves. The instability in changing coaches play a part for sure, but they seem to have the right formula with Oscar Garcia. They had tightened up at the back and were beginning to create more, but as soon as he signed that new contract, the wheels have seemingly come off all over again. They've picked up just two points in the five games after that draw with Barca. And I remember Ian from Felta USA was on the pod recently talking about the weird pattern where they take points off the top teams, but often drop points against those around them. Perhaps there is an attitude problem there. These highly talented players thinking they're perhaps too good for the bottom half and the relegation scrap. Thanks, Matt. Celta then have it all still to do and they'll be hoping that Leganes go down instead of them on Sunday. Personally, I thought Leganes were gone long ago, but they've put together an incredible run to take 10 points from the past 12 available, and that's without even conceding a goal. Let's discuss them now with Sam Leverage. After they went up to Bilbao this match day and won 2-0 to keep their slim survival hopes alive, can you explain to me, Sam, what's happened at Leganes? It's been some turnaround for Leganes. I mean, only four games ago, they looked dead and buried. It was more a question of when than if they were going to go down. But they've really turned things around. And Javier Aguirre's built on the defensive blocks that they have. I mean, that's where the team's strength is, is in that defensive area. And they've just been incredible in the last four games. I mean, we've seen them. They won at Espanyol, and that was kind of the game which decided that Espanyol would definitely be going down. And Leganes still had a bit of hope. But at that point, everyone just thought that both teams would be going down. 
and then since then they they drew Ibar, which was a good result, not a bad one. Some fans were a bit frustrated that they weren't a bit more attacking, they didn't go for the win. Then they got one 0 win against Valencia, and and fans started believing this win at San Mamés against Athletic Club, who don't forget they were playing for Europe and missed out on the Europa League because of this defeat. So it's a really impressive run from Leganes and clean sheets in all four of those games, which was unconceivable not so long ago. So what happened specifically in this game away at Athletic Club? There was an early red card for Athletic goalkeeper Unai Simon, and that was obviously key, wasn't it? Yeah, the red card had a huge impact. I mean, it was quite a nervy game, strangely. I think that both teams knew there was a lot that they were playing for and neither was quite ready to gamble. And that red card really changed the game because, I mean, Unai Simon came running out and he just clattered Ryan Hill. And he's one of the few players that Leganes have, really the only one, who can run and counter-attack and use his pace. And, and that was causing Athletics some problems. And Simon just came out and clattered him. And then that meant that Harry Tano had to make a change and... And obviously taking off Sunset as kind of the attacking midfielder in that team. And it was just a little bit nervy. I mean, Athletic, it was almost like they didn't know whether to go for the game and try and and kill it off or whether that'd be too risky. And we've seen a few times that they've tried to avoid going all out for a win. And, and that was the case here. And they were trying to get through, but it just wasn't quite happening. And that was pretty much the case as well. Leganes didn't want to throw too much into attack and risk conceding, but it was just a very nervy and cagey game. But then the goals came and, and everything changed with that. And the goals came from Miguel Angel Guerrero and Roger Asali. Finally, can you tell us a bit more about them and their struggles up until this game? Guerrero and Asale were the two strikers that joined Leganes on loan in January to replace Enazeli and to support Braithwaite, who then ended up leaving as well. So that put a big weight on their shoulders. And at the time, I mean, we were there we were at Butarque and we were joined by Panos, who's a, an Olympiacos fan and, and a journalist. And he told us that Guerrero was quite good, but, but maybe not his best, but he should be a good signing for Leganes. And we just haven't seen it. I mean, between Asale and Guerrero going into this game, they played 20 hours of football and hadn't scored a goal. I mean, Guerrero quite importantly missed that penalty for Leganes against Granada, and that would have been a big game changer in their season. But then they did come good in this one. I mean, when it really came down to the nail-biting final chance, they really took advantage. And I mean, two good finishes. And that's exactly what Javier Aguilar has been hoping for and, and asking his strikers for all season. And it just hasn't come about since Martin Braithwaite left earlier this year in February. But now that they've done that, they'll be flying with confidence. And obviously Real Madrid next up isn't going to be an easy game, but... Having two strikers who've got that massive confidence boost now, you'd like to think that that's going to give them a much better chance. Now, never mind the fact that Enesiri and Brathwaite are long gone, even many of the players who are still at Leganes weren't available for this one. Javier Aguirre was without seven of his first team players through suspension or injury. Might this actually have helped though in the end? Because everyone who did play in Bilbao looked hungry. They looked up for it. Definitely, and even of the players that were playing, there were a few who were kind of walking wounded. I mean, Ruben Perez and Unai Bostinza just a few days ago, Javier Guede said that he didn't think that either of those would be fully match fit to take part, but they did play and, and they played the full 90 minutes as well. So a testament to their their attitude. And I think you just have to look at the lineup. I mean, in attack, their, their lone striker was Manu Garrido, a, a player who's with the B team, a young player, and he'd only played 11 minutes of football 
in the top flight before this game. So imagine that just playing a game where your relegation status depends on it and you're relying on a B-team striker who's only played 11 minutes of first-team football. I mean, that's kind of the situation that Leganes are in, but they really produced, and it was kind of very much what Leganes have become about in the last few years. Their spirit and their attitude are kind of working hard, and they don't have the money or the talent or the big names or the flash signings or anything like that, like some of the other clubs. But it's all about that grit and that determination, which is very much something that, that comes from Leganes as an area as a, and as a club. They believe in that and they believe in this never-say-die attitude and they will fight to the end. And this spell for them in La Liga has been a bit of a dream come true. But they're not giving up on it yet and I don't think they will until the very final whistle on the very final day if relegation is what comes next for them. Thanks, Sam. We'll have to see. For now, Leganes are still alive, just one point behind Celta Vigo, remember, going into that final day. But there's some bad news for Leganes and some good news for Celta Vigo. In the final round, Leganes must play the champions, Real Madrid, albeit at home, while Celta Vigo have bottom-placed Espanyol away. That said, momentum is with Leganes, so keep an eye on this one. Now, let's take a look at the other storyline that's still really alive going into the final round, and that's the Europa League fight. Despite their loss to Real Madrid, other results mean Villarreal have already guaranteed one of the three Europa League spots. Then the final two will be contested for by 6th place Real Sociedad, who have 55 points, 7th place Atafi, who have 54 points, and then 8th and 9th place Valencia and Granada, who each have 53 points. That's after Real Sociedad drew 0-0 with Sevilla, after Hitafi lost 2-0 to Atletico Madrid, after Valencia defeated Espanyol 1-0, and after Granada won 2-1 at Real Mallorca, as we mentioned already. All these Thursday night results ruled Athletic Club and Osasuna out of the Europa League race ahead of the final round. Let's bring in Paco Pollitt now to discuss all of this. Paco, which two teams do you think are going to make it? Um, first up, I'd like to give a shout out to Villarreal because they weren't a European competition contender three months ago and their run after the break has been sublime, even if they lost against Real Madrid. A well-deserved Europa League ticket for next season and, in my view, it means some sort of vindication for players such as Santi Cazorla, Bruno Soriano or Sergio Asenjo. Obviously, the big favourites, in my view, are Getafe and Real Sociedad. Getafe face Levante away in the last game, aside with no motivation whatsoever and who usually suffer against organized teams, whereas Real Sociedad are just better equipped to take on Atleti and pick up at least one single point, which would be enough for them as they have a better goal average than Valencia and Granada, even if these two teams are able to win. I obviously would like a different outcome, but I must stick to facts and probabilities, so I believe Real Sociedad and Getafe are the big favorites here. You don't sound too optimistic about your Valencia there, Paco, and fair enough because they have to go away to Sevilla on the final day. So let me paint a picture for you here. Can you envisage a situation where Jose Bordelas qualifies Atafi for the Europa League and then moves straight to Valencia even if they don't have Europa League football? Because the Bordelas to Valencia rumours are picking up steam. You know, it would be even more bizarre. Um, Bordalas could make Getafe enter next season's Europa League and later 
have a shot with Getafe in August to actually win it and later be Valencia's coach even though I believe this is one of the most unlikely situations ever. Actually, the fact that Getafe are still alive in the competition and have to play against Inter Milan makes his potential move to Mestalla even more difficult because Valencia's management wants their new manager to land in the city ASAP and start working straight away. So I would definitely dig Jose Bordalas over here, but I think making it work will be very, very difficult. Hmm, interesting stuff, Paco. We'll certainly be keeping an eye on the latest happenings at Mestalla and, of course, on this upcoming Europa League battle at the weekend. One more battle to take a quick look at before we finish up is a battle for third place. It doesn't change anything in terms of qualification because we already know that both Atletico Madrid and Sevilla are going to the Champions League, but there is a certain prestige associated with finishing on the podium. And Atletico Madrid are set to finish inside the top three for an eighth season in a row after that 2-0 win over Hitafi, a result that makes it 33 goals for Atletico and zero goals for Hitafi in all of Diego Simeone's meetings with Hitafi since he became a coach. Sevilla, meanwhile, we mentioned they drew 0-0 with Real Sofidad, so they're two points behind Atletico Madrid going into the final day. It's all so interesting and it's all taking place on Sunday. At the moment, almost every match is scheduled for 9pm Spanish time, but expect some of these to be moved around now that we know which fixtures mean something and which ones don't. In any case, we'll be back with our final match day recap of the season on Monday morning. For now, thanks to Roman de Arquer, Matt Clark, Sam Leverage and Paco Pollock for their insight, and also to Real Madrid fans Emily Wilson, Hassan Karim and Christopher McCormack. I've been your host, Drew McTeer, and I thank you all for listening. And one last time, congratulations to Real Madrid, champions of La Liga. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.